Welcome to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about our one reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here's Roberta. Welcome to Seek Reality. I'm Roberta Grimes and I'm so happy you're with us today. Our guest today is Annette Baranaccio, who is with us for the second time, and she was first our guest on Seek Reality back in early June. I thought her story was unusual at the time. Her mother-in-law had died, and Annette wanted to learn what had happened to her mother-in-law, and instead of just reading books about it, she did the research, the basic research, and amazingly, Annette actually then, when she had learned what had happened to her mother-in-law, she wrote a book about it. Annette is a CPA, and she's a healthcare executive of all things. She's not a scientist. She doesn't have a background in this field. And amazingly, she wrote a terrific book about it. And it was such a very good book that when she came on Seek Reality and we got really into her book, we didn't finish it in the first interview. And I really wanted to finish talking about this book. So I called her to come back as soon as possible. And this is her second interview just to finish this book. I thought it was such an excellent opportunity to talk about something which all of us really need to talk about more. And I've never, I mean, I've written books about the afterlife, but I thought this was a wonderful basic book for people to kind of have in their library when someone that they love is going through this with a dying loved one. So that They'd have it so that if a friend of theirs has a loved one who's dying, they'd have it to show to a friend and their friend would have it. This is this is kind of a a basic book. It's a nifty spiritual book for people who just want to need and need to have to kind of better understand what life is all about, too, and why we're here. It's this book that Annette Baranaccio has written is called Your Soul Focus. I really like it a lot. And when we didn't have time to finish it, I thought. I wanted to finish it. So that was back in June, and I invited Annette to come back, and now she's with us again in September just to properly finish talking about this book. Actually, I I think it's partly because I'm an attorney and I talk about this stuff, and you don't think about accountants and attorneys having this bent uh, to talk about something which is kind of so off the professional track, so to speak. But in a way, it's, it is. It's kind of something that we do think about and as because we're people. We, we kind of think about things that affect people's lives. And when we when we decide to dig in and talk about them, we talk about them in a simple, factual way. We don't talk about them in an emotional way. And uh, therefore, it's kind of, I think, maybe it is the right thing for us, for, for people who, who, do, who dig into facts, to talk about just the facts. So, Annette, thank you for coming back and welcome. I'm so happy to have you back with us again. Thank you so much, Roberta. First of all, I know it's going to be a lovely way to spend the afternoon. And secondly, I was so flattered when you asked me to return. So because I had such a wonderful time the first time that we spent time together. So uh, thank you so much. Well, first, let's kind of catch up here for people who were not with us the first time. We really kind of have to dig into your book again, again, in a basic way. But let's talk about first about your mother-in-law. How did your mother-in-law get you started on your afterlife journey? And you're right. The book is a very basic book. Um, 
a lot of people have used the word relatable and some people have said that it's a gateway book. Like it's a, it's the, exactly right, the, gate, right. the gateway book to the afterlife. Like if you're starting your exploration of the afterlife, it's a nice gateway in. Um, so my mother-in-law, and this is also unique after she died. I mean, we never talked about uh, death or what happens after you die before she died. So after she died, so when she was on the other side, she left for me what I call almost a series of breadcrumbs that I had that I followed. I followed the breadcrumbs, and that's when I started opening my eyes to the afterlife. So the first thing she did was she came through to my daughter. My daughter was 13 at the time, and about five days after we buried my mother-in-law, my daughter, very matter-of-fact, said, guess what? I got a gift from Grandma Lucille yesterday. And I'm thinking, okay, I mean, we buried my mother-in-law five days ago. And I was like, how could she have gotten a gift from her? Like, that's impossible. And so I listened. I said, okay. And this was like first thing in the morning, like we're having breakfast and she's going to head off to school and me to work. And um, she said she gave me pom-poms. I'm like, pom-poms? How did she give you pom-poms? All the time my mind racing, like she must be grieving uncontrollably. Like what's going on with my daughter? Like there's something going on here. Um so I was like, what what kind of pom-poms? She said, well, in art yesterday, we were going to make 3D cards, three-dimensional cards, and I decided to make cards with pom-poms on them. So I went to the closet, the art supply closet, and I brought the Tupperware of pom-poms, all different colors and sizes, and I took out 11 light green and 11 red because I was going to make a red and green uh, pom-pom card. And when I brought the, and I recounted them, which my daughter is very meticulous even now. So she recounted, double check, brought the, she goes, I brought the Tupperware back to the closet. And when I came back to my, my art desk, uh, there were my 11 green, my 11 red and one lavender and one white, the same colors as the balloons that we let go at grandma's gravesite. So five days ago. So I said, well, how did they get there? And she was like, and I could see she had played everything in her mind, you know, and she, she said, and she couldn't come up with an answer. So she said, I know that's the thing. They must have either floated through the air or just appeared there. I wish I had seen. And I said, well, was there anybody around your desk at the time? And she said, no. I said, could you have put them there by mistake? She said, no, I double counted. I, I said, could you have dropped them and someone picked them up? She said, absolutely not. And she said, do you want to see them? And I was like, you have them? (laughs) And she said, yes. And she ran upstairs to her bedroom, comes downstairs and she opens her hand and there's two pom-poms there. And they're not even like slightly off shade. You know, it wasn't like they were purple and white. They were lavender and ivory, the exact colors of these balloons. And so I didn't even know what to say. And I said, probably the most foolish thing for a parent to say, but I didn't know what to say. So I said, well, all I can say is this. If these are really from Grandma Lucille, then when you die, you better be buried with them in your coffin, because that would be an absolute miracle if these are from her. That's what I said. And she was like, and she goes, I know, I know. I'm so surprising. And she ran back upstairs. But now I was telling everybody the pom-pom story. Because yeah. I was like, I didn't know what to make of it. And I half thought that my daughter was going through some kind of really horrible grief. And I was now charged with trying to help her. And But what had happened after me telling so many people about it is I had a very, very credible friend. I'd been friends with her for eight, 10 years. We never really spoke about death or whatever. And um, she said, to, after I told her the pom-pom story, she listened to the whole thing calmly, nicely. And then she said, well, you believe in the afterlife, don't you, Annette? 
like almost incredulously, like, like, of course you do. Right. Which is what I would, how I would be now. I would be the same thing. Like, of course it's real. But at that time I, I was like, you believe in the afterlife? And she was like, yeah, of course. And so that was the, now I, now I had my daughter's story and a credible friend believing in it. And, and that's how the door started opening for me. Yeah. Isn't that fabulous? Yeah. Yeah. And then she, my friend told me that um, she frequented a local medium to get real life practical questions answered from her deceased father. And then I was like, Oh my God. And then <laughs> the next breadcrumb was maybe three weeks after that, I was out to dinner in my main street in Farmingdale, New York with um, my recently widowed father-in-law, my husband and my uh, son. And we were seated by a window and there was a big poster in the window facing the outside, but we could see through it. And it said dinner and medium show with Josephine G, the same medium my girlfriend had just told me about. Yes. The next breadcrumb, you know? Right, so right. I was like, okay, that's sort of synchronous or whatever. I like synchronicity. So um, coincidental. So then I ended up going to that um, event with my girlfriend, which was four months later. Uh, it was the last April in two th- uh, uh, last Sunday in April in 2007. And um and my mother-in-law died 2006. And, and, I, and that's when my mother-in-law really, really did what she needed to do for me. She came through not once, but twice in that regular forum with a hundred people there. And the, and the reason she had to come through twice is because the first time I froze and would not take the microphone. <laughs> and then, then there's a medium was there like, there's someone here named Lucille, which is my mother-in-law's name. And I was like, I'm not taking that microphone. <laughs> That's not like, what is going on here? And then she was like, she died of, um, she said, if it's not Lucille, it's Lou. It looks like she died of stomach cancer or something like that. My mother-in-law had died of pancreatic cancer. And I would not take the microphone. So eventually the medium retreated back and read somebody else. But then I really have to credit my mother-in-law. She came back to me and she was like, this woman is still here. And she's standing right in front of, you know, right at our table. And I was like, oh, all right. And then I got what you would see on TV, like an evidential, very evidential reading. And when I went home that evening, I woke up my husband, I miss his mother. And I was like, are you awake? And he was like grumbling, like, and I was like, (laughs) you got to get up, you got to get up. As as a husband will, right? (laughs) You have to hear this. You have to hear this. This is crazy. This is unbelievable, you know? And and that's what started me. Then I, I, I became all absorbed after that. All my discretionary time for four years was spent researching, like you said, the metaphysical, because I was like, I had one question and this was it. If we go on, then what the heck is this about? (laughs) What are we doing? What are we doing here? That's right. Don't you love that feeling of, oh my God. (laughs) When it first hits you. Yeah. Yes. And it was like, it was like, a, like a, like a meter, you know, it was like, what? And then, oh my God. And then now when I go see a medium do a reading, I can tell sometimes, even though the medium might not be able to tell what's going on because they're just channeling, channeling. I know what's going on. Cause I, I know the other side. So I'm like, oh no, this is what they, this is what she really means. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because yeah, I can, 
it's unbelievable. When the lights start going on, it's the most glorious feeling that anyone can possibly imagine. It was a long time ago, though. But watching the lights go on for you now as you talk about it, I felt (laughs) the same way the first time you and I talked. That to see the lights go on for you made, made me remember <laughs> what it was like yeah. the first time because I was a skeptic and suddenly I realized no this is, this is real this is real this is crazy it's real. It's real right like why isn't everybody just screaming from the rooftops about this that's why I put the book out I was like yes I don't know if this is going to help one per- person or ten people no, or it just almost doesn't even matter you can't keep it inside then right. It's yes. like I had a responsibility to to share what I had learned. Yes. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. It's, it, it's like it's like life goes from what is basically a tragedy yeah, to, yeah. To, to be alive, but to yeah. know that that's going to end, that there is no tragedy more complete than that tragedy. Mm-hmm. To have... Right. To to to, peep, to love people and know that their lives also are going to end in blank nothing, that's yeah. a tragedy. It is so difficult. But suddenly to realize, no, it just yeah. goes on and on. Now that is, yeah. that's joy. I know. I say, you know, grief is, obviously grief is so complicated, but I feel like there's almost two basic levels of grief. And the first grief is the level that I would have now, knowing that a person goes on, but of course I miss them, right? So that's a grief. That's a selfish grief, right? That's right. that's, that's right. my grief. My right, grief. my grief. Right. But when you think that now your loved one has died and that's it, You'll never see them again. You'll never experience them again. They're really not here. It is almost impossible to dig out of that grief. That's mm-hmm. a, a different kind of grief. Right. That, and I said there's two kind of levels. It's like one is like, it's great they go on, but I'm not going to have what I used to have. But the second kind of grief is so difficult because it's like they don't even go on, <laughs> you know? It's, and, right. you know, that, to get out of that is so difficult. So it's so much easier when you understand that they're really still here. It's just makes your life so much easier. It's easier for them and it's easier for us. But the thing is, they life goes on eternally. I mean, to yes. know that there's no end for anybody. I know. I know. It, there's no this, joy beyond that. There's That's the ultimate joy there is. Yes. It's really this earthly life is a sliver of our soul's existence. And we are intentionally born with it's by design dunce caps on because you, you, you want blinders when you're living your earthly life so that you can focus on your purpose. If you had the same uh, wide perception that you will have when you get to the other side, you might be very distracted from doing what you came here to do. And we all come here with a purpose, whether it's a purpose for ourselves or a purpose for someone else. We all yeah. come here with a purpose. And so the objective of Earth <laughs> is to fulfill your purpose. And if you didn't have this dunce cap on, you would not you would be so distracted. You wouldn't be able to complete your purpose. So better that we're born with that kind of myopic vision. Probably is, but I, I'm just so full of joy about it. Anyway, I mean, I I guess I suppose. Yeah, it's, but the joy is so great. Really, life changing for me. I have yeah. to say, it was 
Absolutely. And there aren't a lot of things as an adult that you can have in your life that are life-changing. When you're a child, teen, a lot of what you do and what you learn is life-changing because you're growing. But after you become an adult, um, there aren't a lot of things that you can learn that are totally life-changing. So for me to be at that point in my, I guess, 40s or late 40s or whatever, and to have that happen, I was like, oh, my God, this is like the whole world's different. Yes. You know? (laughs) What was it like for your daughter? Because she's very young. Do you think that she really understands as deeply as you do or or that oh yeah oh yeah so you know when I first started learning about this I I then I realized that my journey with life after death actually started with my daughter when she was two I didn't realize it but I had parked it in my brain that my daughter was singing a song which by the way this this chapter which is in my book ended up being used on Saturday Night Live as a skit on paranormal children. <laughs> but at any rate, yeah, it's like, it was just a funny situation. But at any rate, um, when my daughter was two years old, uh, she started singing this song. And it I had not heard it anywhere. And it, it, this was the song. I come to Falsanella, remember my soul. I come to Falsanella, remember my soul. That was the song. And... Um, she would sing it off and on, off and on, off and on. And the thing that was I was found curious about it is my um, grandmother's on my mother's side. Her um, made my mother's maiden name was Falsanelli, and this was I come to Falsanella. I come to Falsanella. Remember myself, and so, and she would sing it off and on along with her Barney songs for for six months before I said, Diana, where'd you, where'd you learn that song? And she very confidently said, Grandma Rita, that's my mother. Um, Grandma Rita taught it to me. And I was like, oh. And so maybe, um, you know, another two months after that's the holidays, my mother's over. I'm like, Diana, sing the song for Grandma. And she sings. I come to Falsanella, remember my soul. I come to Falsanella, remember my soul. And I said, Ma, did you teach her that? And my mother's like, no. And so I looked at my daughter again, and I said, who taught you that? And now she looked at my mother, and she was very confused. She just looked very confused. And she said, it wasn't Grandma Rita. It was Grandma Lucille. That was my mother-in-law. And I was like, oh, okay. Okay. I parked that. And she's still singing it. Then she turns three. She's still singing it. And then we hit Easter. And my mother-in-law happened to be over. And I was like, Diana, sing this song for for Grandma Lucille. And she sings it. I come to Falsanella. Same song. And I said to my mother-in-law, did you teach her that? My mother-in-law was no. And so I said to Diana again, did, did Grandma Lucille teach you that? And she looked at my, my mother-in-law, and she was so confused now. Like she had learned she has two grandmothers. She knew her grandmother taught her this, but it was neither. Right, so she just went like this to me. No, it's not that grandma. It's the grandma who puts me to sleep at night. Ooh, <laughs> which one? At which point I at which point I realized I come to Falsanella, remember my soul, does sound very much like I'm Grandma Falsanelli, remember my soul. I'm Grandma Falsanelli, remember. So but I just parked that in my head. I didn't push my daughter anymore. I I was freaked out by the answer. I, I, you know, okay. So, <laughs> and I dropped oh, it. So it was it was a 
a grandma not in spirit. It was not in body. It was a grandma in spirit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she had died years earlier. She had never met her. So um, I, I just parked that in my brain. But once I started re- uh, learning about the afterlife, I realized, oh, my grandma, my grandma, Falcinelli, was was with her, at, you know, when she was an yeah. infant, when she was a toddler, you know. So uh, my daughter, ha- and then what happened is since then and um, and around the time my uh, mother-in-law was dying, my, my grandma, who Falcinelli, who um, Diana never met, came through to Diana in her dreams yeah. uh, to tell her. Don't worry about your grand, your other grandmother. We're going to take care of her over here. And when Diana was telling me this, I was just thinking, oh, this is a coping thing. You know, I thought she was like making it yeah. up. Or, but, but after I learned about the afterlife, I'm like, oh, that is really effing cool. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh my god. And um, and since I wrote the book, both of my parents have died, and my mother-in-law came through to my husband in his dreams to say, tell Annette, her parents are fine. We're taking care of them. So, you know, dreams are a great way for them to uh, connect with our energy level because otherwise our energies actually seems like we're frenetic, but our energy is quite dull and theirs is more frenetic. Theirs is more high paced. So um, yeah, when we sleep, our frequency raises and we're able to connect with, or for me, anyway, I'm able to connect with them more easily. Some people can connect, like mediums can connect with them when they're wide awake, you know, which is amazing. I had a, I had a, a very psychic child, grandchild, yeah. and until she was about three, she was very able to see spirits and she would, would ask to take them along on trips uh, in the car and we had to make room for them in the car. People who had recently died. So cool. Yeah. She knew their names. And um, it's so cool. What happens, um, what I learned is that when children are first born, um, or any any soul is first born, you're very connected to the other side. You're very connected. Yeah, very. Yeah. And And it starts shutting down at three, four, five, six years old because then you start realizing that you've got to make do for yourself on earth. And so, you, you, the muscles or the connections that you use to tap into the other side fall by the wayside as you start to learn how to take care of your human body, sleep and eat and um, obey my parents so that I am taken care of and friend, friendships and things outside of yourself because you don't use that function anymore. It's like somebody who is born in... Um, in a foreign country who doesn't pronounce a certain vowel or consonant because their culture doesn't pronounce that vowel or consonant, mm-hmm. they'll, they will lose the ability totally. to ever oh, pronounce that's a very that thing. consonant. Yes. Yep, yeah. Very, very and it's very similar with um, children when they're born, they have that spiritual connect that in and out of the other side. And even when they're in the womb, they're going back and forth. They're going back and forth. So it's somewhere around, six, seven months where they sort of lock into the womb. But before that, they've gone, they're going all back the time. And forth like you know? And so, um, you know, children learn and in that early stage when they start realizing there's an amount of um, self-sufficiency that they have to develop right. to survive. Right. 
Um, you know, that's when they start like before that, they're so dependent on us that they don't understand they're apart from us. They're separate from the mother or the father. So um, but once they start realizing they're separate from the mother or father and there's an amount of self-sufficiency they have to develop, mm -hmm. then the um, ability to connect to the souls becomes less of a priority because they're worried about survival. Um, but yeah. So, yeah. So my daughter has um, and. And even both my parents have come through to my daughter, um, you know, so she's she's pretty in tune to it. I know? think that it's the children, it's much easier for children often than it is for adults to become comfortable with the fact that the people that we used to think were dead are really all around us and quite alive, which makes them much more comfortable with it, <laughs> which is great. Now talk about your parents who, who have, with yeah. transition and let's talk about that one of the things i hope that everyone listening understands this when when very sort of older people adopt, when couples are older and they die very often they will die close together in time and i just had um couples uh who are uh, a couple who were parents of, of good friends of mine go close together it's a very common thing that happens and talk about your parents how that happen? It is. And also, um, I'll point out that, uh, you know, you pick a few things, you choose a few, few things before you come here. And one of them is sort of how you're going back. And if you're going to choose how you're going back, probably, you know, on the way in, you, over 85 and going relatively quickly is, you know, like live until you die kind of thing is a is probably a good choice. And so um, and to to go with your loved one who you lived with, who you lived with for decades is also a good choice. So, um, so my my dad and mom were ninety two and ninety, and um, they both died two weeks apart from each other last year. And it was very difficult. My sister and I, neither of us clinical, but we took care of them in their house at in home hospice for the for the um, for their end of life. So they were not in a hospital or anything. So. Um, I like to say it this way: they they died the way they lived, um, and I I don't know if it's true for everybody, but it's true it was true for my parents. My mother was a very very social person. She was out and about all the time. There was a party, she was there. There was a dinner, she was there. Very very social, light of the party kind of person. My dad was the opposite. Very homebody, likes to be home. So if he was brought out to the party or even dinner at my house, he would sort of keep an eye on my mother. He's very social when people talk to him, but keep an eye on my mother. And the second it looked like she was getting ready to wrap up and go home, he would like put on his hat and coat, get in the car, start the car and, and like be ready for her because that was that much closer to being home. So um, this way, when she came in the car, they would just drive right home because he was like a magnet to his home. So he was very introverted that way. Um, so on Jan January of 2022, my mother was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer. Um, not that it means anything one way or another, but she had never smoked or anything like that. So it was cancer and it had spread. So she was in pain because it had spread to the spine. It was really, really horrible. Um, and she, my, she started deteriorating because she was at, and she didn't really want to get treated, but we had her, we did some treatments to try and get her out of pain. But other than that, it, it was hospice by March, we were in hospice. And my father had no life-threatening illness. But when my mother started deteriorating, um, he sort of stopped eating and then became incontinent. And, you know, to, he was like stopped eating, stopped walking, and then was gone in about two weeks. 
And what what happened was on, on Saturday, I think it was like March 26th, they were in bed together. They had, we had put them in both in bed together, and um, he they were holding hands. And my mother now my mother's dying of cancer, and my father's fine. He he just gone for a walk, and he was okay. Um, but they were holding hands, and then after about ten minutes, he got agitated. I don't want to. I want to sleep in the recliner tonight. I don't want to sleep in the bed. I don't, I'm like, okay. He slept, so we put him in the recliner, and then the next day he stopped eating, started uh, throwing up, couldn't make it to the bathroom. It was a weird uh, set of circumstances, and um, I was getting ready to take him to the hospital because we didn't know what was going on. And then it just dawns on me: wait a minute. She's 90 and she's dying, looks like relatively soon. If I take him, and he's 92, if I take him into the hospital, they start tests and whatnot. What, what if he never gets out and he, and he dies in the hospital? Now they're both separate. I don't, I don't know. And he's screaming, I'm not going to the hospital. Don't you take me to the hospital. I'm not going. And so I was like, you know something? We had a um, doctor coming in to evaluate my mother for in-home hospice. So I said, I'm going to have her evaluate my dad at the same time, just to see, should I take him to the hospital? What's going on? So the doctor comes and evaluates both my parents and pulls my sister and me aside and says, I don't know how to tell you this, but your father is further along in the dying process than your mother, which was bizarro to us because we just took him, <laughs> we just went out for a walk. He was eating fine. My mother had been dying for the last two months, but okay. Um, and then at the end of the day, he just shut down I like to say he died of a broken heart, but he shut down and it was, you know, in two weeks he was gone. And then two weeks after that, my, my mother left. But then I thought about it and I said, you know what happened? When they were in bed holding hands, she gave him the nod. And he was like, oh, we're going home. I'll be in the car. Let me get my hat. Yeah. Let me get my coat. Exactly. And I'm going to be in the car. And and this way, I'm there before you get there. Save us time getting back there. And and that's it. They died the way they they died the way they lived. He, she got, gave him there on a soul level. He felt they were headed home, and he was like, "Oh, no problem. This is the cue. Let me go." So that's exactly what that's exactly what happened. Right. With this other so, couple, just about the same age, they were actually late eighties. They also died within two weeks, and they were one just goes, the other goes. And so um, now I know because of all my research, I've learned a lot about the afterlife. Um, my father also knew the first one who dies doesn't really get the fanfare if they're because my mother was home. She couldn't go to his funeral or anything. So um, the second one who died is when we had the, you know, the big eulogy and the party and, um, you know, celebration of life of their lives. Because when he died, we had to get home to take care of her. So by him going first, he also gave her the more social uh, funeral, you know? Right. Um, so he, it was just how it they lived. It's so lived. common but, for that to happen, for no so like common. that. So, so common. common. Uh, the hospice way. folks said the same thing. Hospice folks said the same thing. And so um, now my mother, uh, like I said, she uh, had a lot more living to do it, even at 90. She was his, the main caretaker. He was not... Um, you know, he had rheumatoid arthritis and macular degeneration, so he was semi-blind and couldn't walk that well. Nothing life-threatening, but a lot of illnesses. She had taken care of him until January. So she was really together and with it, and a, really like a force of nature, as my sister would say. And um, I would never speak with her about death because she didn't like to speak about it. Um, I dedicated my book to her before 
um, you know, obviously before she died, because she taught me to be very open-minded. That's what she taught me to be, be open-minded and love life and enjoy life. And so um, uh, she was not someone to talk about death, you know. My father, on the other hand, for the four years before he died, he thought he should be dead today. Like every day I would go over and he would be like, how come God's not taking me? Just take me. I can't see anything. It's hard for me to walk. What am I still doing here? Just God, take me now. Take me. He was always talking. And every time I'd come over, he'd be like, Annette, do you think today's the day God's going to take me? And I'd be like, I don't know, Dad. You look pretty good. You know, I don't, Darn I don't it. I could, could, could be today. But let's talk about what's going on from that perspective, from the other perspective. All right. Dad, Dad's body gives out. Yes, Dad said yeah. visitors around the bed they yes. put him out of yes. his body yes they transition him immediately he's young and vigorous and there's mom yeah. in the bed so yeah. he's right there with her and he's saying absolutely he's telling her guess what it's pretty good over there you know I you know. can let go i've yeah oh seen yeah it, and it's okay to let go you're yeah, I've been there. It's okay. And that's so, why the second person to die, whether it's the husband or the wife, has had someone that he or she perfectly loves and trusts go oh, first yeah. and say, it's okay. Oh, yeah. yes, that's what absolutely. it is. It's not that yeah. they're, they're not dying of a broken heart at all. They're dying because they've been told True. by the person they most love and trust. I've been there. I've seen it. It's wonderful. You can let yes, go. Yes. That's why the second yes. death is so peaceful and so happy, and it comes so soon. Yes, so soon afterwards. But so, but my since my father was so comfortable talking about death, I love to tell this story because to me it seems a little scientific, even though I'm not scientific. But um, I decided since I know so much about death, and he's open to talking about death, and he had his wherewithal to the end. Whereas my mother was sort of out of it because of the. Uh, I think the cancer either may have spread to her brain. Oh, yeah. or, oh my goodness. I'm so sorry. Oh. You know, yeah, so she was sort of out of it, but my, um, my dad was, had his wherewithal. And so for five days prior to his death, I didn't know it was going to be five days, but for five days prior to his death, I said, all right, we're going to make a, we're going to make a, uh, um, um, we're going to make a pact. When you get to heaven, you're going to send me a white swan. That's what I want to see. When you get to heaven, I don't know if it's going to be a day, two days, three days. I want to see a white swan. White swan. <laughs> my dad, white swan. My dad and his brother had a dry cleaner uh, my whole life called the white swan. And he sold it in 1985. Um, but they, I figured a white swan was something symbolic. So I was like, you have to send me the white swan. I need that white swan. I need. And he would be like, I'll try. I don't know. I'll try. <laughs> You know, and I was like, no, you're going to be able to do it. You're going to find Uncle Charlie. That's his brother. You're going to find Uncle Charlie. You're going to get over there. He's going to tell you how to communicate. And when you're in heaven, send me a white swan. I'll try. Okay. Five days, five days, five days. Um, So April 12th of last year was, I would say, like, I think it was to date the worst day of my life. And um, because it was in their home that I grew up in. Um, my sister was with me. She was, it was so difficult for her and for me. They, you know, take his body out. My mother's in the hospital. Yeah, that, hospice that's hospital part. That's a messy part. Horrible. Your body and stuff. Horrible. We went to the 
funeral home, two caskets, two cards, two ceremonies, bring both their clothes to get dry cleaned. Mm. Um, and that was, and that was first thing in the morning. He died in the morning. And so that evening I'm back at his house because my mother's still there. So, and I was, we stayed over the whole time, my sister and I for the three months. And, um, I'm in their kitchen and I open my iPad and I mindlessly start scrolling on Facebook because that's like my go-to, like just to scroll. And the first thing that comes up is somebody moved into our neighborhood, a guy, and he said, I just moved into Farmingdale. Can anybody recommend a dry cleaner? Now, even though my parents, my, my father sold it in 1985, the people who bought it kept the name the same. And so I start seeing White Swan. Oh, go to White Swan, White Swan, White Swan. <laughs> I'm like, I think my father made it to heaven, <laughs> figured out how to communicate with me. Yeah, right. In like a day. It like a day. So I was like, that's really cool. So then I post on Facebook a, a tribute to my dad. I take a picture of him and I'm like, you know something? My dad had all the boxes checked. He was 92 years old. He lived until he died. He never was a widow in the it, even my mother wasn't in the traditional sense of the word. Right. The traditional sense of the word. Neither of them had to take care of each other while they were sick and at end of life. My sister and I were doing it. He wanted to go. You know, he for four years, he was like, I'm done. I'm done. Take me. He wanted to go. And um, and I I asked for a sign and he gave it to me. He's got all the boxes checked. He was real. I mean, it was unbelievable. So I do this nice tribute to him and I put it on Facebook. So there is this woman in Canada. She read my book and she had read it when I first put it out two years ago and she loved it. And she asked me to contribute a chapter to an anthology that she wrote. She took 30 people from around the world. Um, not all authors, but all different kinds of people. Some of them who've lost children or whatever. And they each wrote one book about what the afterlife, one chapter about what the afterlife means to them contributed it to her. And she published it last mother's day, May of 2022. So, um, and and it's called gathering at the doorway and or gathering in the doorway and all the proceeds go to um uh mental health and afterlife charities it's great great and people love the book so at any rate i post my tribute and she's on, she knows me from facebook she's in canada i've never met her in person and she writes to me that day she goes i live on a lake in canada and I've never seen a swan on this lake. And I'm reading your father's tribute about the white swan. And there's a swan sitting out on my lake here. She sends me a picture of the lake. And I said, you know something? I think that my dad is endorsing our book. <laughs> I think he's endorsing the book. Now, I'll add one little interesting tidbit to that. She asked me to be um, a guest author uh, from for a book club five months after that or six months after that. And I was the guest author. And this story came up about the swan. She brought it up and she said, Annette, I want to tell you one other thing. I've never seen that swan after that either. It was just that day. But in the morning there was one swan and in the afternoon there were two. Oh, lovely. And, and so I know he connected with his brother. <laughs> I, I think he found his brother. Unless it was my mother, but because um, she may have been going back and forth, but I, I, that was oh, interesting. No, anyway. That's lovely. That's lovely. So I was like, "Wow, I think he's endorsing our book." So that later that day, um, I go. I'm outside in front of my parents' house, and their neighbor is there, 
And he comes over and he's like, I'm so sorry about your dad and how's your mom doing whatever. And I said, you know, it's very difficult, very, very difficult. But um, I tell him the swan story. I'm like, but guess what? You know, and I tell him this and he goes, oh, my God, that's wild. Day after that, the neighbor texts me and he goes, you know something? I just want to share this with you. My friend is went on a, his run this morning. A guy went on a run this morning and we're part of a group chat of a, guy, a bunch of guys. And he actually sent us a picture of a swan on a, a lake and said, isn't this odd? Don't you usually see two swans? There's one swan floating around out here. And so he goes, it made me think of your dad. And I was like, you know something, Joe? That's his name, Joe. I said, "My dad. first of all, my dad always liked you. And second of all, I think it's pretty unique that a, a guy is sending a group chat of, to a about a swan like that just seems like <laughs> such a so I do think it's my dad and he goes I know I sort of thought that was weird to get from my friend too so I said that's sort of weird anyway then the next day the neighbor texts me again and he goes you're not going to believe this your father's cracking me up turn on channel he tells me whatever channel to turn on it was wheel of fortune and the clue was a living thing and the answer was white swan oh wow that was three days after my dad died. So I was like, all right, I get it, dad. Yeah, I get enough, enough already with this one. Yeah. I mean, now that was public. Like you can Google it, you know, you Google white. Like it was like, he died April 12th. It was like April 15th. The clues, the living thing. And the answer is white oh, swan. Isn't that wonderful? Like, so that to me felt very scientific. Yeah, you know? right, like, right. Exactly, you know? exactly right. I mean, I mean, I asked before he left. And he delivered it with flying colors. After he, he certainly did. After Isn't that wonderful? That's wonderful. Yeah. It's a great story. And I tell people, I'm just a regular person. I don't have any, um, you know, psychic gift or anything like that. So if if it's true for my dad, <laughs> it's true for your loved one, too. It's true for all of our loved thing ones. Is it, that's that's <laughs> such an extraordinarily good point. Right. Most people are getting these signs all the time. And you know what they say? Oh, that's a coincidence. People I know. just always say, oh, well, that must have been a coincidence. Meanwhile, they're on the other side. They're doing calisthenics to try and get this to happen. I say that too. Like you know, people say, well, if you're really there, make sure the newspaper is delivered with the print upside down on page 10. Yes. And then the next day, I know. The next it's so, day it's so comes and the print's upside down on page 12. Yeah, and oh, they, well, that's right. They oh, missed yes. it. They missed well. it. Yeah, darn it. So it's so, <laughs> so crazy. on the other side to get you the sign. I know. <laughs> it's so ridiculous. I know. It's just like, just honor it, you know? So, yeah. So as long, you know, it's so much easier to believe the signs. It's so much easier because once you start believing them. there. It's and so if you, if you, every time something conceivably could might be a sign. Say thank you. Yes, Let's take it. it. Send <laughs> another one. That's yeah. all you have to do. Thank you. Right. I see it. Send another one. Even if it might, for a specific it sign. might be. That's all you might have be. to do. And and ask for a specific sign if you don't trust it. I say that in my book, and I can't tell you the countless numbers of people who reached out to me to say I tried it and it worked. You're it like, does. I know. <laughs> I know. You make, so you make your loved ones so happy. Thank you. Yeah. I see that. Send another one. Yes. Say it again and again and again, yeah. and you'll keep getting yeah. signs. Yeah. I swear yeah, it works beautifully. If they can do it, they will. And I will give you this out because people say, well, why don't I get it? The only time they won't do it 
is if it interferes with your life's purpose, your path, or the path of someone else. If they, if it, they're not going to, they're very polite. They're not going to interfere with your journey. So if it's going to interfere with your journey, they won't give it. But other than that, they are going to give you what you ask for. So, um, And, and, And when you start making that cycle complete, when you start getting signed, like this, this one thing is really kind of obscene, how successful that was. It's unusual for it to be that successful. But when you start completing the cycle for your loved ones, and you start getting more and more signs, what a joy that is. Let it happen for you. This is so beautiful. Follow the breadcrumbs. It's okay. It's so beautiful. Oh my goodness. This is, believe it or not, we've come to the end of our time. We really really talk about the afterlife forever, Roberta. I know we could. This has been so wonderful. I'm so glad I had you back. I just, I knew we had a little more to say. And I'm I'm so glad to get your your parents' story in because that's very important. This happens a lot. And it's very important people understand that when when older people go together, that's not a coincidence. That happens a lot. It does. And it's a very, very precious thing when it does. And it just is what do you want people to take away from what we've talked about today? Well, I think that that what I ended on, which which is if you um, appreciate or believe or even are intrigued by my story, I'm just a regular person. I'm not, you know, I mean, I'm a CPA, so maybe there's more credibility that can be placed on my my situ- my uh, viewpoint. But at the end of the day, if if it's true for me, it's true for you. And so ask for something specific, and they're they're right here. And so that's that's what I'd like people to take away. Understand that their loved ones are really right there. Beautifully said, my dear. Thank you for coming and big, big hug. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. And again, everyone, we've come to the end of our time. This has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. I'm so happy you are with us today. And please never forget that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began, you never will end. And when you get that, it changes everything in your life for the better. Next week, our guest will be Sandra Champlain, and she'll be with us for the 16th time, believe it or not. Sandra is a wonderful rising star in the world of afterlife education, and we try to do all we can here to support her and to support her work. I first met Sandra more than a decade ago. We we shared lunch for the first time when her book, We Don't Die, was first published, and now we share lunch again whenever I'm in the Boston area. What a delight she is. She's a beautiful, beautiful soul. We're going to talk next week here about her work with George Norrie and with some of the finest British mediums now working and about what's coming next, she and I both think, in the field of afterlife education. So please be sure to join us. This week, our guest has been Annette Marinaccio, who is her, her beautiful book, Your Soul Focus, is, I think, a great book just to have on your shelf. Read it yourself. And then whenever someone that you know has someone they love who's who's dying or who has died, you can use it to help your friend to get through that time and to understand that death is not the end. And actually, death is the beginning of wonderful new things to talk about with the people that have lost a loved one, or even with 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 your with just your own friend, help them to open their minds and their hearts to the fact that death is really a beginning. 
for those they've loved and for the, for your friend that that is seeing now, maybe for the first time, that this is a whole new relationship that they have with their loved ones who've transitioned just for a little while. But it's not the ending of that relationship. As as you've heard from Annette, there's there's a whole world of new relationships opening up with the person who's gone on. And it's never the ending of those relationships. Our relationships go on forever. We go on forever. And now, of course, it's also time to once again mention that Seek Reality Online is your one-stop resource for all things afterlife. Just go to seekreality.com and start to learn for yourself that your own reality truly is eternal. Learn the ultimate truth from our dear friend, Craig Hogan. He's your worldwide expert on all things afterlife. And teachingsbyjesus.com is your single resource for all the beautiful divine truths that are brought to us in perfect love by the greatest teacher ever, Master Jesus. It really is his turn. Don't you think it's time? Christianity, the religion, was created by the Roman Emperor Constantine, and it's not, it's not Jesus' website. It's not Jesus' religion. Nothing about it came from Jesus. It was Jesus' teachings and truths were taken away. They were not brought to us by Constantine at all. Now, finally, teachings by Jesus is what Jesus taught. And Jesus's teachings are pure and true. And that website will help you discover them. So teachings by Jesus is religion free and it's made by Jesus in perfect love for you. Also, my own nonfiction books are Liberating Jesus, My Thomas, The Fun of Dying, The Fun of Staying in Touch, The Fun of Growing Forever, the, the Fun of Living Together, and The Fun of Loving Jesus, Embracing the Christianity that Jesus Taught. For young children, there's The Fun of Meeting Jesus. You can order all my books through bookstores or on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com. And most of the adult books but the last are available as audiobooks. If you want to talk with me about anything, just... Go to the green contact block on robertagrimes.com and send me an email. Just make sure you give me your correct email address because sometimes I write what I think is a pretty good email back to people after a couple of weeks. It takes me that long sometimes to finally get that email written because I get so many. And it bounces because they didn't give me the correct email address. So be sure you do that for me. But I do try to answer every email. And all of the more than 500 past episodes of Seek Reality are available wherever audio podcasts can be found. You can listen to new audio episodes each week with the Seek Reality app. You can find for free wherever you can find free apps. And the new video episodes are each, each week are available on Roku or Firestick. Meanwhile, this has been Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Please enjoy and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, always knowing that you are a powerful, eternal being. You, most of all in this whole universe, you are infinitely, completely, and eternally loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Roberta blogs and answers questions at robertagrimes.com. Join us every week as we explore what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about the one reality we all share. Knowing the truth changes everything.